Right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fazlift's Podcast 4. I've got special guest uh, Mark Frasverli on. Uh, Mark is a natural bodybuilder, coach, uh, father, soon to be husband, um, and uh, he's, he's an expert on eating disorders. It's uh, something that I wanted to talk about today, and that's going to be the focus of today's podcast. Um, so Mark and I have been friends for a good number of years, going back to doing uh, powerlifting uh, seminars with each other, and then uh, later on we, we worked together for uh, his first um, bodybuilding competition, which was a really yeah. great experience. Uh, Mark, do you want to say hello? Just introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my name is Mark. Um, yeah, I've known Faz for about three or four years now. Yeah. Um, and we've been like Faz has been my coach, and we've been really good friends as well. In addition to that, uh, so we've been on quite a few journeys together. Um, so yeah, looking forward to getting. Uh, into the meat of this podcast and hopefully uh, educating a few people on eating disorders and, and other types of things really. So I like to keep it maybe uh, focused on eating disorders but also relatively broad because obviously it can um, almost encapsulate a variety of different uh, areas and remits. So yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. So um, yeah, we're going to, as, as Mark said, we're going to have uh, today's topic is through the eating disorders and really anything around that topic is is very, very welcome as well. So I'm going to try and let Mark chat on as much as possible because he's the expert. So Mark, just to begin with, um, just generally speaking, what are eating disorders and, and kind of what are we looking for in regards to disordered eating behavior? Okay. Um, so just to start, and um, this is a disclaimer, I'm not a therapist. Um, however, I've been working in the field of eating disorders for just over 10 years. So there's pretty much nothing I probably haven't seen uh, within this area. I work for a charity within uh, Derbyshire uh, that are also uh, now Midlands based and we've, we've supported people with eating disorders for the past 14 years and I've been a part of this organisation for the past 10. Um, we we kind of uh, support people in a variety of different ways but um, so yeah anything I kind of say today um, just a disclaimer that I'm not that I'm not qualified therapist I have got a sport and exercise science degree um, so I tackle eating disorders from more of a peer-to-peer support perspective rather than a clinical kind of diagnosis perspective so I'm not a doctor or anything so I just thought I'd get that out of the way um, but that's not to say that I don't know a lot about eating disorders because I do and I've worked with them for, for a long time now so um, with regard to your question yeah what what are eating disorders um, <laughs> it's, it's quite a, it's quite a broad question really because there's, there's many different types of eating disorders I mean, people just associate eating disorders with, with anorexia nervosa, which is, which is probably the one that's most um, labelled in the media. Um, however, anorexia, off the top of my head, I think only is about 10% of all eating disorders. So actually, anorexia is only a small part of, of the almost eating disorder spectrum. Mm. Um, but like with any mental health difficulty, um, an eating disorder is, is, is essentially um, a disordered relationship with food that has a significant impact on your day-to-day activities. So somebody with an eating disorder, it would kind of always be on their mind um, on a day-to-day basis. So, for example, they may not go out for a birthday meal because they are nervous that um, they don't know how many calories are in the food or whatever. So it's basically anything that has a significant impact on their day-to-day functioning. Um, And obviously there are various severities. Um, there are four different different types of um, eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, and basically, you've got firstly you've got anorexia nervosa, 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the most dangerous one. Dangerous one. And this, this, this stat will probably surprise quite a few people. So anorexia nervosa is actually uh, the, basically the, the, the psychological condition that has the highest death rate out of any other psychological illness. Wow. So it's, right, it's, right across the board, oh, right, right across the board. So any wow. type of mental health difficulty, wow. Wow. depression, anxiety, anorexia nervosa has got the highest death rate, highest mortality rate wow. out of all psychological illnesses. So it just shows you how serious and how dangerous it is and, and mm. why it's so spoken about in the media. So anorexia nervosa, um, off the top of my head, it's, it's, it's basically defined as somebody who's got a, um, an extremely low BMI, so obviously extremely low body weight, mm-hmm. um, has severe body image disturbances um, and is very distorted in their view. So, for mm-hmm. example, when they look in the mirror, they'll see themselves as, as a lot larger than they are. Yeah. Um, so they're the kind of a couple of the main, main characteristics of anorexia nervosa, but obviously it's the quiet, um, it's, it's the severest in terms of um, your physical health and, and physical being and, and obviously it gets a lot of attention from the media because um, people who struggle with anorexia are often very underweight and quite emaciated and yeah. you can kind, of, can kind of tell it's very visible um, almost, yeah. yeah very visible almost like a, a, a bodybuilder essentially just before yeah. his show obviously his face looks very gaunt mm. uh, her face looks very gaunt they're incredibly lean um, etc so yeah anorexia nervosa is, is a very interesting one um remind me in a little bit to talk about the the minnesota starvation experiment yeah, which would be really cool that'd be really cool to talk about because that Excellent. relates nicely with with anorexia so moving on uh, so that's anorexia mm-hmm. uh, you've also got bulimia nervosa mm-hmm. uh, now bulimia nervosa is basically the next probably most spoken about eating yeah. disorder um and contrary to belief it's not just someone eating and then being sick People often think that that's, that is what bulimia is. But bulimia is basically um, someone who, who might eat a large kind of inordinary amount of food in one sitting mm-hmm. or over a few sittings and then purge that food in order to try and get rid of it. So they'll basically eat a lot of food um, and feel guilty. Mm. And then they will try and get rid of that food, which might be via um, self-induced vomiting, mm-hmm. um, over-exercise, Ah, interesting. Um, di- diuretic abuse, mm. laxative abuse, um, so anything to almost purge that that food and, and get rid of it um, out of their body because obviously they're feeling the guilt for eating such a large amount. And this, just to interrupt you, can this be a yeah. premeditated thing as well? So can they think, okay, I'm going to have this binge? And yeah, then I'm, I'm yeah. Gonna... So it's crazy. Yeah. So like a um, few people I've worked with um, at first steps basically they kind of it's almost a planned activity so yeah. th- for example if, if 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 someone is 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 in a relationship with someone they'll kind of plan oh i know my partner is out of the house between 5 and 7 p.m tonight so that means i mean i can go to asda spend a couple hundred pound of food mm. and then just binge on it wow. and then get rid of it so i've heard stories honestly that yeah and and and, and bizarrely enough as as well it's it's not people think oh yeah I've had a binge tonight, I've had loads of pizza and I've had loads of ice cream. Mm. It's not necessarily on nice foods either. So it can be mm. random things like, third of people like having oats with tomato ketchup mixed together and just anything. And it's almost like um, you just, in people I've worked with, you basically they, they um, describe it as almost blacking out during right. the binge. Yeah. So they almost like, they're in almost autopilot mode where they, can, they can't really control what they're doing. It's basically defined as an out of control binge episode pretty much um now 
Um, I'll move on to the third, but um, mm. before I mention that as well, I forgot to mention that, that these, these, these are categories. However, what you often find in eating disorders is that, that people move from one category to the next often. Okay. So someone might struggle with anorexia for a while, and then they might move on to bulimia. Mm. And then it might, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so just because they're categories, it doesn't mean that someone can't go from one to another. And that is often when someone is in recovery from an eating disorder, often yeah. experienced because if you think about someone that's anore- got, got anorexia, for example, mm. if you think of anorexia kind of like just after a bodybuilding show, yeah. you've decided that, okay, yeah, I need to, I need, I need to do my post-comp recovery now. Hmm. some of anorexia were like right yeah i want to focus on recovery so it's kind of like a similar thing because yeah after a bodybuilding show i know when i competed all of my hunger hormones etc were just out of whack and mm-hmm. just just bizarre so like you can see why when someone is in in recovery from anorexia they they binge mm-hmm. because obviously that they don't know what it's like to feel full they almost forget what it's like because they've been starving themselves for so long and then what happens is they, they, they obviously, they maybe binge and feel out of control around food. And then they feel like, oh, I feel guilty now. Oh gosh, what? I've just eaten all this food. Mm-hmm. I need to get rid of it. Mm. So then it can kind of turn into bulimia, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does, that does make sense. It, 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 leads, it leads me to a question I was going to ask at the end of this. Um, yeah. but I, I'll, I'll ask it now anyway. So presumably yeah. there's a commonality. A com- uh, in terms of psychological traits, physiological traits, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a commonality across all four categories. Oh yes, massively. And mm. um, yeah, so someone who is struggling with an eating disorder, I, I always tell my clients that I work with, not any Tom, Dick, and Harry can get an eating disorder. Mm. An eating disorder basically um, sort of affects, as you say, only certain people with certain personality types that are more predisposed to. Um, kind of struggling so mm. one of the traits you'll often see nine times out of ten is, is that person would be very perfectionist mm. in their nature um, yeah. so like wanting everything to be perfect um, another one is, is quite sensitive maybe the, the person might be quite sensitive to criticism mm-hmm. um, so for example obviously if they've been criticised in childhood um, maybe I don't know being a little bit overweight Mm. That, 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 that might stick with them for a long time and they might want to then do something about it. Uh, yeah. People with eating disorders also tend to have a bit more of an obsessive nature. Right. About their, um, about I mean, their the, the way you're describing that, that's, it's almost bodybuilding to a T, isn't it, really? It, it is, and that's why it's yeah. so apt. And like, yeah. It's yeah. such an under-recognized um, area within the bodybuilding community and it's almost mm. a, taboo, to a taboo subject as mm, well. Yeah, yeah. People don't really want to talk about it because it's... Yeah. It, as you say, it's it's so close to home almost. Mm, yeah. Um, so there are a few few personality traits to look mm. out for. Um, but yeah, g- g- crack on with the, the the rest of the two categories. Yeah, yeah. So then obviously you've got um, you've got binge eating disorder. So, okay. So binge eating disorder is basically um, the so if you think of the bulimia, mm-hmm. so trying to eat a lot a large amount of food and then getting rid of it, binge eating disorder is basically just eating a large amount of food. Mm. And then feeling guilty, but then kind of not doing anything about it. Yeah, gotcha. So people with binge eating disorder might often put a lot of weight on in a short amount of time, or they just um, might be quite overweight and maybe even sort of obese. And mm. um, so, obviously, that and that's not to underestimate the impact that binge eating disorder can still have on someone's life. Mm. Um, obviously, it's 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 associated with a lot of different. Um, health conditions like type two diabetes, obesity, mm. yeah. etc. 
Uh, and then finally, sorry. I was just going to say, it's amazing, just thinking, just hearing you say this, uh, it's amazing how much a lot of these things are normalized in yes. bodybuilding social media. Yes. Yeah. You know, the whole feeling guilty about binging. I mean, I, I can think of yeah. memes like that, but yeah. that, that's actually a potentially a road towards a serious disorder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing. And it's, as you say, like you're saying, it's, and I guess hopefully this podcast will, will help to, to educate people to kind of be, become more aware of these conditions because they are yeah. serious psychological health conditions that can really have a negative impact on, on someone's life, really. Yeah, well, what I wanted to end with uh, today, later on, is just talking about some of our strategies that, that you and I use as coaches. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. you and I coach very similar sort of ways, yeah. and we we yeah. are both very much against a lot of these fads which, which look oh, at extremes, because yeah. I think a lot of those yeah. do mirror uh, bad eating patterns. Um, oh, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Hugely, but we'll, we'll hugely. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so the four, four fourth category. Yeah, so fourth category is 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 a new one actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be um, called EDNOS, which stands for Eating Disorders Not Otherwise Specified, mm-hmm. but now it's um, it's offset, which stands for Other Feeding um, or Basically Specified Eating Disorders. So it's basically anything that doesn't fit under the anorexia the bulimia and the binge eating disorder categories which actually makes up 50 believe it's 50 to 70 percent of all eating disorders so offset is is actually the most um kind of the main category believe it or not out of all the others um so it's basically anything that doesn't fit into those three criteria so essentially you've got like um so you could have orthorexia nervosa i'm not sure if you've heard of that one i've not sorry no so orthorexia nervosa is, is, is really an interesting one within the bodybuilding community. Mm-hmm. Not so much now, interestingly. Um, now there's this, um, if it fits your macros, flexible dieting movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically orthorexia nervosa is, is people that have a, an unhealthy obsession with eating clean, um, right. clean foods. So like groceries, <laughs> essentially. So chicken, chicken, rice and broccoli, chicken, rice and broccoli, oats, yeah. chicken, rice and broccoli, oats. And, and basically if they come away from eating those food items that are on their safe list for eating, they would feel immense guilt mm. and they would almost be scared to not eat those foods, like psychologically scared, like it was a phobia, like it was a fear. Um, so that's orthorexia nervosa. And obviously that is rife within the bodybuilding community. Absolutely yeah. Yeah. rife, but people don't acknowledge it. 100%, um, yeah. Another one is a, a really interesting one is, is, is diabulimia. Mm-hmm. which is basically where people who are type 1 diabetic actually misuse their insulin mm-hmm. um, in order to deal with incoming food, basically. Mm-hmm. So I believe, I think, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure on my uh, insulin and things like that, but I think they overshoot their insulin mm-hmm. in order to get rid of the food that they've eaten. Yeah, um, yeah. And that can almost cause things like blindness, yeah. um, uh, amputated limbs things like that and it's absolutely crazy but that's like a quite an emerging condition and then there's a charity in london called diabetics with eating disorders that actually support people with that so if anyone's struggling with that that's listening today obviously it's something you can go and research but yeah that's also quite common and i assume that it's also quite common probably within the bodybuilding community you're absolutely uh, right yeah i was just about to say community yeah you're absolutely right amongst the enhanced community i've I've heard of people doing that that's uh, that's definitely something that's there yeah, and it's and it's so dangerous, isn't it? Obviously, Absolutely. insulin is, is such a powerful hormone, yeah. um, and obviously, misusing it inappropriately 
can, can obviously lead to quite disastrous consequences. So would you say that the, one of the commonalities amongst all four categories is the feelings of guilt? So it's, it's, it's essentially how you yeah, deal. Yeah, it's feelings of guilt and, it, yeah. and it's control. It's control, mate. It's mm, control. Yeah. Um, all eating disorders are, 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 are essentially um, a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. They are a way of coping with the difficulties of life, um, but using food or whatever around food as a way of coping with those mm -hmm. difficulties in life. So someone with an eating disorder, they might, for example, have a bad day at work, say to themselves, oh, it's all right, I can um, come home and binge later. Yeah. It'll make me feel better. So like as, a, as, a, as someone that doesn't struggle with an eating disorder, they might go home and, I don't know, binge watch Netflix or, mm. I don't know, have a couple of glasses of wine and, mm. and have healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. But someone with an eating disorder, basically their only coping mechanism is food. And I suppose I suppose they're doing it in an unhealthy way as well. So with an unhealthy oh. mindset, whereas it's a case of I mean you've heard of presumably people who are in a breakup, a long term relationship, they get a yep. breakup, and then all of a sudden they start a new exercise regime, and that's like yes. a that's a positive way of dealing with something, yes. you know. Yes. Uh, whereas this is more the case of we're saying um, we're going to do that, but it's going to be we're going to do it with a neg almost a negative mindset. Yeah, uh, punishing yeah. yourself to get in shape. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it is a form of punishment, just yeah. like any other mental health issues, such as self-harm, things like that. It's, it's a form of outlet almost. Mm. And obviously, when you're thinking about the eating disorder, mm. you're not thinking about anything else. So yeah. you're not bothered about the relationship that's just ended. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's you're, not, right. you're not bothered about the death of, of, of your loved one, yeah. you know, because, yeah. because you're focused on this eating disorder. You know right. what I mean? That's, that's it, like absolutely. That. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, super interesting for for me and enlightening as well. I didn't I didn't know about a couple of those categories. Uh, but yeah, oh, good, good sort of education for the for the audience in terms of general eating disorders and what we're looking for. Now, what I want to do today was tie that first part into where we need to be careful of this in terms of either a bodybuilding or b just general gym. You know, get gym bunny getting in shape kind of thing. Um, yeah. So let's. Let's talk about such sort of like either bodybuilding or just general going to the gym and living the lifestyle. Where do we need to be careful? Where, where you know, where, which parts of the year yeah. during which phases do we need to be kind of really careful of? of this? Right. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? So mm. it's, it's a weird one. As you say, you've got, you've got two, you've got two almost cohorts here. You've got, you've got the, the bodybuilding. This is my lifestyle community. Mm. And like, yeah, this is me. And then you've also got the people that just like to keep fit and healthy mm -hmm. that could also go down that road. Yeah. So in terms of the, the bodybuilding lifestyle community, obviously the big area where you've got to kind of look out for this is, is in season. So when you are dieting for a show yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then also, so that's got kind of pre-comp and also probably more so is post-comp yeah. um, because obviously when you're coming out of a competition, as we spoke about with, with anorexia, your hunger hormones and things like that are all out of whack. Mm. Your, your, but let's let's face it, bodybuilding is not healthy. No. It's not a it's not a healthy Absolutely. in in season bodybuilding is not healthy. Yeah. End of all, it's, it's a very unhealthy sport, and mm -hmm. and you you essentially you diet down to your essential body fat levels, and 
it, it, it just puts your body out of complete whack. Yeah, I mean, to, to, anyone, to anyone listening, if, if you've not competed in a bodybuilding contest and you look at those guys thinking, oh, they look fantastic, look healthy, yeah. trust me, we, we do not. We, we feel like crap on the day. You, yes. you know, enhanced, yeah. not enhanced, you're going to feel like shit on the day. So. Yeah, you're almost, you, 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 it's almost induced self-starvation and it's, um, it's a fantastic sport. It's amazing. I love it. But it is just so dangerous if it's not managed properly. Um, I would never personally advise dieting down without a coach. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm not saying hire me or Faz, but I'm just saying that any coach will help because you need that third eye, that, that, that different perspective. Because everything, when you're dieting, as many of you have probably experienced, is that everything goes out of whack in terms of mm-hmm. not just your physical health, your psychological health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start becoming more obsessed with things. And this brings me on nicely to the Minnesota starvation experiment. Yes. So have you, have you ever heard of that one, Faz? Well, yeah, just to give the audience a, a bit of a brief um, overview. I'm just going off my memory here because I've not, not had this, uh, yeah. thought, read about it for a while. But essentially, yeah. they did an experiment where they, were, they starved a group of men. I think yeah. it was just men. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over the course of how long was it, Mark? It was, I think it was... It was about, a while, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it was a good, like, six to nine months. Yeah, I want to um, say I want to say about three to six months. Yeah, something about, yeah, six, about it, six months. I think it, yeah, I think it might have been about six months. I think, I think the, the actual dieting was just 12 weeks. Yeah. But then the follow-up, and then obviously the, the, the follow-up on, followed up on that because they wanted yeah. to see the impact it had. That's right, yeah, yeah. And I think so they, they, they got them down to very, very low body fat yeah, levels. I think, it was, yeah. I think it was, like, 25... I think they all lost 25%. That's right. Yes. Yes. Their own body weight or something yeah. like that. And it, and it wasn't necessarily starvation per se, but they, they right. actually did have a set calorie level, which was very, very yes. low. I think it yes. was 1200 or something. Yes, it was 1200. And they yeah. also had to do a certain amount of um, exercise every day. I think it That's was right. Like running or something. Yeah. I mean, so so for those listening who who are actually potentially thinking about eating twelve hundred calories, you don't. You know, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right. So yeah, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. So basically, this was this was an experiment by um, a chap called Doctor Ansel Keys. Mm-hmm. So you can you can give this a Google. It's called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, and it was done, I think, just after the Second World War. I think mm-hmm. um, yes. they wouldn't be able to repeat it, which is the amazing thing about the experiment, because obviously they wouldn't get ethical. Um, yeah. approval now because obviously it's such a yeah. <laughs> you can't really starve people anymore that's right uh, you might be able to starve animals but you could definitely can't starve humans so yeah basically what what this chap uh, wanted to do was basically observe what happened when people were starved mm-hmm. simple as that so yeah so a, a healthy psychologically healthy group of individuals um kind of volunteered to do this i think it was either volunteering to do this or basically doing something else and they've escaped it for this can't remember how many participants there were but basically what he did was he we, he observed this sample there was obviously a few dropouts they lost a, a, an incredible amount of weight obviously and he observed them he observed what happened to them physically he observed what happened to them psychologically so i think um if we just little look, look at the psychological things so basically um all of these all of these individuals who were basically healthy previously this is why it relates to bodybuilding because it's basically what happens when you're dieting down for a show. They all started um, experiencing different, like crazy things. Like he was observing their conversations, he was observing their daily habits and things like that. Um, there was one chap that um, basically started having dreams about food. 
<laughs> yeah, we've yeah. all done that pre-contest. <laughs> yeah, you see, he was like dreaming about having like a big massive burger or something, and like it's just like wow, yeah. So like that was one of them. Another one was is there was a guy that basically started drinking like twenty cups of black coffee a day hmm. and literally constantly eating chewing gum, right. things like that. Um, there was another chap that basically they were just basically that all of the conversations started to turn to to about food. Mm-hmm that was just obsessed about food. So one guy was like obsessed about watching cooking programs. Mm. Another guy was saying that, oh yeah, when I come out of here and when we finish this experiment, I'm going to become a chef. Mm. Um, another guy was complaining about how his body looks. Mm. Yeah. So all of these things that happened during this experiment, they, this is the important bit. So this is the bit I want, want people to get today is that these things were a consequence so these psychological issues that these chaps developed were a consequence of the dieting. Yeah. So let mm. me just repeat that. They were a consequence of the dieting. These chaps, if they didn't diet, mm-hmm. wouldn't have experienced these psychological issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you are dieting for a bodybuilding show, essentially you are choosing to diet and like the Minnesota experiment, you're choosing to diet and you're choosing to lose a certain amount of body fat. Now, these things, if you are not careful, these psychological issues will also become apparent during your dieting phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So when we spoke about eating disorders earlier and we spoke about the, 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 the predisposition, the, the, the certain characteristics, yeah, mm-hmm. the obsessiveness, the, 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 the perfectionism, that, mm-hmm. yeah, all of these things, these, these predisposed characteristics get worse when you die. Mm-hmm. They get worse. Yeah. So they say that basically with eating disorders, the, um, the, the, the genetics load the gun mm. and the environment pulls the trigger. Interesting. Yeah. So basically when someone goes on to develop an eating disorder, they'll, they'll obviously be predisposed to it. So they might have a family history. They might have these personality traits. But it is the environment that then pulls the trigger. Interesting. So if you're dieting for a bodybuilding show mm. and you've got these characteristics, be very, 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 very careful. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to ask was in your research or just in your thoughts in general, do you think age has got anything to do with this? So when I, um, when I, when I did my bodybuilding competition, um, yeah. I felt that my, my habits and my physiology and my, my psychology were pretty much set. You know, mm-hmm. I'm being, I'm, obviously a fair bit older so yes. i think yes. it, it perhaps put it potentially off me a little bit of protection because i never experienced it fortunately touch wood i never experienced any of those uh, yes. things yeah. um do you think that's a possibility um the research shows that 18 to 25 year olds mm. are most likely to be affected by eating disorders which makes sense because the the mind is still developing at that stage still developing yeah. however that does not mean to say that people can't develop an eating disorder in the fifties or sixties. Yeah. And it doesn't mean to say that people younger than that can't develop one. Cause we've worked with people as young as five at wow. our organization, which is wow. crazy. That's, um, that's, yeah. That is crazy. It's becoming, it's becoming younger and younger as well. Um, okay. yeah. So yeah. So basically pre-contest is, is, is to be, um, aware. Post-contest <laughs> is to be aware as well, because if, if you think if you've just got shredded for a show, yeah. I remember actually I remember Lyle McDonald talking about this on a podcast mm-hmm. I'm sure you can relate to this far as I certainly can when you've been shredded and when you've been extremely lean anything above 
that point you feel fat you feel fat <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah your mind is just warped it's crazy yeah. so uh, yeah so basically if you've been like shredded and you've had the abs and look wicked um anything above that point you feel fat yeah now, and if you, and, yeah and if you say that to someone they think you're crazy because yeah they think you're crazy <laughs> and like but you've got it yeah unless you've been there and done it yeah yeah it's, yeah it's crazy but you've got to kind of from that point you've got to say okay all right this, well this is how i dealt with it was mm. um you've got to self you've got to accept yourself yeah yeah so if you don't love yourself no matter how fat or thin you are you've, you, you've not got a chance True. because yeah. you, you're basing your whole self-worth that your whole how you feel about yourself on something that is outward and, and appearance based yeah. now the the dieting down for a bodybuilding shirt as we just spoke about is incredibly unhealthy mm-hmm. so uh, the dream to um, carry that body fat percentage and that physique year round is is only a dream yeah. because it it is not it is not realistic natural or enhanced. Not yeah, realistic. I mean, I can just say that to the audience to right now. I don't know anybody who who carries that level of competition no. year round, and no, a lot no. of a lot of people will will think that's the case. Like, I remember getting mm-hmm. some comments from uh, from people when I'd finished my bodybuilding competition and. They, they said, oh, because the, the, perhaps they could see I've put, been put on some weight. They said, oh, you're just relaxing now. You're not, um, <laughs> are, you, are you taking yeah. it off the gas? I'm like, uh, actually, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Cheers for that. Yeah. Cheers for just building those issues up in my head. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting. So we've talked about in-season. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably the, the, the biggest danger area. I also wanted to touch a little bit on off-season. And you know, yeah. you know me personally, I've got a real... A real, I want to say, I'm going to say hatred. It's quite a strong word. But I'm going to say hatred against um, no, cool. off-season cool. wacky protocols like high yeah. days, low days, oh, yeah. obsessively, yeah, yeah. Yeah. obsessively eating certain macros on one day, yeah. or the macros, yeah, yeah. or yeah. or just high days and low days and whatnot. I I generally with my clients, I work with a a weekly average. Um, yep, and a weekly average yeah, accounts yeah. for, yeah, yeah. It, it works really well. It accounts for the ups and downs. I mean, a person, yeah. a client isn't going to know if they're going to be particularly hungry one day, particularly not hungry the other. No. The coach has no, the it. chance. So you go yeah. with a weekly average, and from a weekly average, you can make sure they're on a reasonable track. For myself, I, I do certain things like fasting as well, but I do those for health reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've talked about, I've talked about them before in, in other podcasts, but yeah. in general, I do I use a weekly average. Yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> in terms of some of these, more uh specific let's say dietary adherence challenges that i'm going to call them challenges i don't believe they have any value these specific adherence challenges that some coaches give to their clients i'm going to ask you the really obvious question is are we are we staring down you know the the barrel of the gun there as well in terms of eating disorders yeah um yeah i i think i personally think and I know um, Eric Helms is quite supportive of this approach. It, I personally think that the, the off-season is the off-season. So the off-season should be used to not just get back to um, a level of physical health, but also get back to a level of mental and, and psychological health. Yes. Now, having... I think I've started. Yeah, I'm going to go on a rant now. Can I go no, on a please rant? Do, please do. Please do. I love a so, good rant. Yeah, because I know we spoke about this before. Yeah. Um, uh, Having high carb, low carb, medium carb, zero carb, blah, 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 blah. I think that it is just going to serve to um, worsen 
that perfectionist OCD obsessive mentality towards food. Yeah. The goal of the off season, what, what is the goal of an off season? The goal of an off season is to build muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to probably get stronger and to keep a relatively healthy le- level of body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To keep it, to keep a healthy level of body fat percentage, you want to be around maybe 10 to 15%. Yeah. yeah. Probably not go above that. Um, so why do you need to mess around with high carb, medium, low carb, whatever carb days, if your goal is to, to build muscle and keep a respectable body fat percentage? You do not need, personally, I do not believe to, that you need to micromanage your food intake like that. Because one, as we said, the, the goal is to, to, get, to get healthier mentally and psychologically. Yep. If you're upping and lowering your carbs every single day and having to track them to the gram, it is basically um, providing a psychological feedback mechanism in your brain that this behavior is okay and normal. Mm-hmm. That behavior is not okay and normal. You should, your goal in the off season, like you've just said, Faz, should be to almost, uh, to still track, yeah. but not so much that it is having a psychological impact and affecting your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So, you could maybe, like you say, you could have a weekly average. So, yeah, as long as I'm hitting um, X number a week or whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. Or, I mean, go on. I was just going to say, if we, if we also bring this back to what you said earlier, this is binge purge behavior. So, yeah. you know, and I think, I think we need to put that out there. I think we need to put it out there and mm-hmm. say, like, look, yeah, this is your coach's yeah. optimization. But you know what it is? It's binge purge behavior. That's, let's not you know, uh, be, let's not joke around. And yeah. the orth- orthorexia nervosa, I believe that that's a similar yes. thing here as well. Yes. Because you're focusing yes. on foods. Yeah. Well, if you're, if you think, if you're having a high day, yeah. that is your binge day. Right. Or, or, or what I actually hate, this is my cheat day. Yeah, I mean, that's even worse. No, mate, right? no, mate that's yeah. not your cheat day. That's your um, unhealthy binge eating day right. that is actually uh, quite dangerous for your mental health. Yeah. So basically, if you have these high days and you have these low days, essentially low day, you're starving yourself. Mm. High day, high day, you're binging. Yeah. That, that is, and that is basically, it. and then basically what people are doing, what coaches are doing is, is um, almost verifying that behavior and validating it yeah. so that these people think, oh yeah, this is cool to do that. And then and, they're not even acknowledging the fact that this is, this is actually giving them a mental health problem. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the worst thing is, well, a lot of, a lot of these people who are very particular, the perfectionists, these are all yes. characteristics of really good bodybuilders. So yes. a, a generally a coach will probably get fairly good results uh, yes. with these clients doing that, but then at what cost, mm. you know, that's the, that's my issue. What cost? And that's it. At what cost? What, how is that affecting mm. their day-to-day life? Yeah. Bodybuilding, bodybuilding isn't, healthy anyway but yeah. like how is that improving their daily life because i guarantee that it is having a severe impact at home yeah and i i, I had this bad uh, joe jeffries on the podcast recently we talked about adherence um so setting your clients a challenge you know like high days and low days yes. to increase adherence and we had a really interesting conversation on that and, and me and him both agree that it's basically just done uh to serve the client's interest it's just done to increase yeah. sustainability. it's to try and it's to try and yeah. because if you're changing things if you're changing things from week to week mm. or whatever like you're keeping your client's interest if you're not changing yes. for, for like a month 
that client's going to be like, well, I'm paying this coach X amount a month. Exactly. Why the heck, why the heck isn't he doing anything? Why yeah. the heck isn't he changing anything? Whereas, whereas the reality is changing things that often, you know, like once a week yeah. or intra week, two or three times a week, yeah. that's just playing into this, this bad yeah. behavior. Yeah. Of course it is because it's just, yeah, it's increasing your, uh, your obsession essentially. Yeah. And, the goal for everyone, really, in the off season, should to be almost get away from tracking and 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 and, and learn learn how to eat more, a bit more intuitively. I mean, I spoke yeah. to uh, I spoke to Kim Santino down at the gym the other day, uh, who's who's obviously a competitive bodybuilder. I said I said to him, I said, do you uh, do you track in your off season? Then Kim, mm-hmm. no, he doesn't track. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and uh, uh, you see, and I was like, oh wow. Mm. I says, that's good on you that's, that's great yeah. and this is a guy that's got a nine-year-old child so obviously yeah. it's having a positive impact on his child's life because he's not being so obsessed with tracking his food and calories yeah and he's an off-season bodybuilder that's going to be dieting for a show soon and he's not excessively overweight you know? no not at all i've seen him he looks in great shape uh, i think this, this reminds me of that uh, sasan hirati video where he talks about the yeah. off-season and uh, his exact yeah. words halfway through that are you have to learn to relax in the off-season because once it's the in-season, then you know yes. you, you, it, it gets, gets a lot harder. So you have to be able to switch off. And I, I don't really like this whole new move towards calling it um, an improvement season or whatever. No. So it's an off-season for a reason because you need to relax. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. definitely an off-season. Yeah. Just like in, in any other sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%, yeah. So we've, we've looked at what... Uh, what eating disorders are four categories of eating disorders we've matched that to um two things one is sort of in-season contest prep and two is kind of off-season wacky protocols um looked at specific populations as well so i've covered quite a lot is there anything else that we could share to the audience which could be helpful for them for bodybuilding um i just think um to be honest just to look out for any um strange type behaviors like that so if basically if, you, if your partner this is generally quite a good sign mm. if, if someone you, that knows you really well um a partner uh, a close friend a close family member mum or dad notices that your behavior with food is is strange and slightly disordered and and you're in denial about that and and are saying oh well I, i'm a bodybuilder mm. i have to do this that is generally a sign that things are probably um unhealthy <laughs> yeah um now i'm not saying that you have to necessarily go and seek help for that um however there will probably become a point where you will acknowledge that it is a problem and you'll probably have to go and seek help um, psychological help um, and, so and you know what can we and can we just accept how little difference if any a lot of these wacky protocols make oh. um to someone's oh. actual progress oh. well yeah. I, well i'm a prime example when yeah. i was um, manipulating my carbs high low and medium days back in the day yeah my results were significantly worse than they are now because yeah. why if you're in the off season why the heck do you want a low day yeah yeah exactly makes no sense really yeah. um oh yeah it's my rest day you still you still need carbohydrates on a rest day yeah and you well that's it. you still need to recover and presumably you're going to be you training know? the day after yeah um, and, and I, I mean i've heard of people having low days low carb days and then training the morning the next morning I mean, that, makes, that makes no sense because then you, you don't are. even have time. It's just, you don't even have time to to re re So yeah. no, it's yeah. ridiculous. So yeah, it's, I, I, you it's know my, what? Like say, yeah. Go on. It's I was market just saying, management. It's market management yeah. for the sake of market management, isn't it? It's just, yeah. As you say, it's to try and it's to try and sell um sell things. And I remember yeah. I heard on a podcast before that um uh, Charles Poliquin, uh, rest his soul, he used to um. 
when he obviously he went through a lot amazing period he was an amazing coach and mm. everything but then he kind of like what seems to happen when these coaches get a little bit older they start to come out with quacky ideas yeah like crazy stuff like it's yeah. really weird and and i think i do think it is it is just to sell <laughs> yeah i think so it is, isn't it it, it is it, it, i believe like so. it's like yeah. they, they they are amazing coaches like when they start and like they come out with all these amazing theories and they're like um like revolutionized training and then it's almost like well yeah i've sold that now what do i do yeah oh I'll come out with like all this crazy stuff and it just doesn't yeah it's just yeah no i totally agree i totally it's agree. about money isn't it essentially i think i think, I think so yeah. yeah i mean the, the talk that i had with joe was was in essence thinking about do, do i want to go down that moral road of potentially yeah. potentially giving giving clients more of a carrot across the week to to accomplish mm. to increase adherence but at the same time potentially damaging their relationship with food and i still haven't yeah. i still haven't I, I said during the podcast that i would experiment with that but i still not because I, I'm not sure in good conscience I could do that to a client. No, it's, it's, you know? Yeah, you ha- you, uh, as a coach, you are in a position of responsibility. Yes. Yeah. You are in a position of responsibility. Whether it's online or whether it's face-to-face, you're in a position of responsibility. You, someone's essentially, someone's physical and psychological health is in your hands as a, as a, as a bodybuilding coach or as a, a whatever coach, whoever you're coaching. Why would you want to put that person's health in jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? just just so that person might stay with you for an extra year because you're they think that you're doing something that they can't do by themselves. Sort of yeah, thing. exactly. You know, just to just to end on a on a kind of a productive note, yeah. um, let's talk about some of the some of the things that because we we both love bodybuilding, we both both competed, oh, yeah. and it's it's still a fantastic sport. So let's let's not rather than give it a sort of a negative outlook <laughs> to the whole thing. No. We'll, yeah. we'll, because we, you and I have both competed. We've both competed healthily as well, healthfully. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about some strategies that you can employ. Now, I'll, I'll say a little bit something about contest prep. The way that I did it with um, with my coaches, Chester and, and Addingpins, they were fantastic. And uh, essentially, the way they coached me was uh, my my diet was macros. Uh, now, mm. if I ever got into a problem with like hunger or all that kind of stuff, they would they would provide me with options, but in general, they let me get on with things and let me eat the way I wanted to eat. Now I'll tell you this right up until probably four to six weeks out, I was having some crisp or some chocolate pretty much every day. It was not a problem because I fit into my macros. And after the competition, I remember prior to the competition thinking, Oh, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat that. But you know, after the competition, I had no cravings at all. Uh, Absolutely zero. So it's, and it it reminded me of that uh, study where they sort of restricted bread from a diet yeah. group and let the other group just eat on sure you've, sure you've read that one and the, yeah, the ones who the ones who restricted uh, bread they, yeah. they had much more issues so i didn't yeah. really restrict anything until the last few weeks when i just didn't have the calories well yeah, you uh, had to yeah i had to and at, at that point i was so tired i didn't really have an appetite either but um so that was one way i kept a very loose if it's macro schedule and i i didn't I didn't deny myself any particular food. Probably the only thing that I was craving was a full English breakfast because that's like a thousand calories. So I couldn't really oh, do that. But, uh, yeah. but there wasn't really anything specific that I was craving. So I didn't get any of those issues potentially for that reason. Yeah. So was there anything else that we can do sort of in a healthy way to, 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 to make well, sure? Well, right. I, I, think, I think like trying to maybe, um, I don't know, I focus on trying to keep someone's numbers or calories as, 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 as high as they can while still losing weight and body yeah, fat. Um, yeah. I, I, a really useful strategy we used within my prep was, was I'm sure this is like crazy. Like we <laughs> got down to like what, maybe 6% for my show. Well, you were absolutely um, shredded. Yeah. Yeah. And we, Insane. we, 
And and what was my ending calorie? Was it two thousand four hundred? It was twenty twenty five hundred the week before. Sorry, twenty five hundred two weeks before, and we actually cruised in. Yes, contest at three k, three k calories. Yeah, so basically we <laughs> we dieted essentially on two and a half thousand calories. And That's right. My my body weight is not high either. So no. like I think you competed um, at one fifty five for that show. Yeah, yeah. So we we found that just increasing my step count um, per day, so i.e. exercise, energy expenditure, whatever you want to call it, is a, is a way to <laughs> off, offset the the reduction in neat neat. Yeah. Uh, non-exercise activity from genesis it actually happens when dieting yeah. um to offset that we basically just set ourselves a, a, a step goal of like 15 to 25 in the day and yeah and that you know kept serve it going didn't it yeah and to to say to the audience as well it was it was absolutely it was definitely steps so general activity across the day i wasn't mandating actual you no. know cardio treadmill all that kind no. of stuff it was just no no busy. it was literally just a yeah. morning walk for an hour and a half because I enjoyed morning walks. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it yeah, that, I, I remember. Yeah, you still you still do them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, still do them, and, and yeah. obviously in the off season it's just less and yeah more for the purposes of actually enjoying going on a walk and things. Yeah, I know. Than... I think that's quite a healthy habit you've got there, actually, Mark. I know you you go yeah. for a walk in the mornings just by yourself. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. Clear the mind before the day. Bit of like mindfulness stuff, and mm. it just helps wake me up and set me up for yeah. the day. Really, that's a good idea. Well, if you're just getting straight out of bed and just going straight to work or whatever, you mm. just you kind of still in zombie mode, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think for that, like you say, was obviously as you, as you approach my dieting as well, we we used a flexible approach. So that essentially, yeah. no foods were out of bounds. Yeah. Um, we also um, we also had phases of of higher calorie intake. So yeah. we we would have a week um, instead of like having maybe a refeed day. Um, we we actually had like a refeed week where we were, right. we raised calories for for a week or two, which obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about this before and we we probably both feel that having one refeed day only really serves to restore your glycogen whereas actually having a, a longer refeed period or a diet break can actually offset a lot of yeah. the things that happen um, when dieting so obviously yeah. just keeping diet breaks within a dieting phase is quite useful because you're not um, on the eating sort of uh, area you're not basically constantly restricting your food you're actually having a a week of, of almost normal eating or two weeks of normally no, more normalized eating yeah. and it's getting you out of that restricting mindset and mentality you know that's something that i use with my clients quite a lot and it's one yeah. that i have one of my more dramatic transformations was uh, a guy called ben and um yeah. people have seen him on my instagram he's yes i've seen him yeah quite, yeah. quite a huge journey he's lost 60 pounds of body fat and we've Fantastic. regained it's amazing and he's regained 25 pounds currently of just lean weight yeah. Uh, and a, a big part of what we did during his initial cut down was we did a lot of maintenance weeks. Um, well, and I, yeah. I really prioritize that. And I've got a couple of clients who've just started with me recently and I, I prioritize maintenance weeks. I think they're very, very valuable to teach oh, the client yeah. how to eat yeah. after the diet, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you forget, you forget. And it, becomes, you do, yeah. it does. It just becomes, it becomes normal. Like when people say, Oh, how, how can you diet like that? Yeah. You just, because you kind of know that it, essentially, it's going to be over and then you can get back to normal. It's only a, it's a temp yeah. temporary thing, isn't it? You know? But you know what? Sometimes people haven't, it's not even that it's normal, but people just haven't been coached to eat at maintenance. Yeah. So yeah. they, and you see this with competitors, they know how to bulk, they know how to cut, but yeah. staying in the maintenance, yeah. they don't know how to yeah, do it. They, they, um, they've yeah. never been coached to do it. Yeah. Cause people constantly think that they have to be gaining or, or yeah. losing. Yeah. Where it's actually, you as we're doing at the moment with myself and, and, and you're coaching with me, we're actually yeah. pretty much in maintenance, but That's we right. are actually 
we're actually losing body fat and gaining muscle and, and recomping from yeah. having a maintenance calorie intake and just focusing on on, on getting stronger in the gym and, and that's and right yeah. more, more productive in the gym yeah so the thinking behind uh, mark's current situation is he's just switched over to a new gym as as i have as well so it's not yeah. really the time to be bulking on a new routine so once no. he gets new, used to new routine, he's got his strength up, then we're going to add the calories in and yep. that makes more sense. Yep. So it serves a dual purpose of one, he doesn't need the calories just yet. And two, no. um, he's able to practice a maintenance week, which is really useful. Yeah. And get used to a new kit and, and, and new yeah. equipment and things. And, yeah. and a different different environment as well. Absolutely. Be. Makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. I think this conversation has been fantastic, Mark. I, I no, it's been really, awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Really happy to have had you on, and I think we've covered so yeah. much. Um, yeah. This has been awesome. I, I really appreciate we'll you having me on. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to we do will it again. definitely have to do it again. So, um, what I'll do is I'll add in all of your contact details for the audience. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, yeah. Wherever I wherever I put the podcast, so on yeah, my Facebook, yeah. Instagram, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, just a big thank you for having you on. I uh, really appreciate no it. And yeah, we'll do it again. No, no, that's great. Thanks very much. Cheers, Mark. Right, we'll call it there, mate. Cheers, take care.